0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Control Alt Delete Church. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Dr. Bex Lewis. Hi Vex, um, it's great to have you with us. Can you introduce yourself a little bit for folks who don't know who you are?
1: So my official job title is Senior Lecturer in Digital Marketing at Manchester Metropolitan University. Um, I also run my own social media consultancy called Digital Fingerprint. Um, I've written a couple of books um, and a few book chapters. Uh, main book I'm trying to write a second edition of at the moment, which is Raising Children in a Digital Age, Um, which is looking at the positives as well as the negatives, whereas lots of books lead with the negatives. I did the original history of Keep Calm and Carry On, if you hate that poster. I've written a book on the origins of that that came out of my PhD. Um, And yeah, since um, I've been online maybe 20 20 plus years, I think I sent my first email in 97 maybe, Mm -hmm. Um, in the old orange text, orange and black screen. and uh, yeah, I'm just quite passionate about encouraging people to look for the opportunities online, recognising it's not risk-free, but life's not risk-free either. So yeah.
0: It's it's brilliant to speak to someone who's not terrified of them. <laughs> like most of the people that we've spoken to so far have been absolutely petrified of <laughs> for all kinds of reasons, you know, mostly because they, they don't know their way around, um, um, but you do, and it's been a huge part of your life over those kind of 20 years, hasn't it?
1: Yep. Yeah, it was. And, I mean, I was doing a PhD on Second World War posters and I made my first website by taking a Word document and saving as a website. Um, and then uh, I got funded to do six hours of training on Dreamweaver um, back in the early 2000s, started building websites for people. I'm not so excited by the back end of it. I'm more interested in the communication side of it, and but having enough tools to be able to do it is fine. Or knowing someone to do it for me yeah. is even better these days.
0: Yeah, and the, the the days where you know you had to do a course in Dreamweaver to make a a, a website, and now you can press three buttons and yeah. publish your own, and it's it's such a difference, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and uh, I love this. being able to say to people, if you can do a Word document, you can probably make a website yeah. using something like WordPress. It's really easy.
0: Yeah, opens up all kinds of possibilities for people. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, I've started most of our conversations around about what happened in lockdown for you, so that kind of moment where uh, the world stopped, um, but your story of that is um, slightly different from everyone else's. Where in the world were you when uh, lockdown happened?
1: I was in New Zealand, so uh, yeah, I'd won uh, a writing scholarship to Vaughan Park Anglican Retreat Centre, which is about 20 minutes out of Auckland, on a beautiful beach, um, um, and uh, yeah, it was supposed to be a two-month writing scholarship to work on my book. Uh, the first two weeks were great, there was still the whole conversation about what's happening with coronavirus, um, I was supposed to be doing public speaking at various universities, we set all those events up and then cancelled them all. Um, I think I managed to do one and then I managed to do a couple online um, as a replacement. But yes, um, I was in a retreat centre for 40 people. And uh, as New Zealand went into lockdown, there was me rattling around a centre built for 40 people. I mean, thankfully, New Zealand was doing the bubble thing right from the beginning. Um, So the chaplain at the centre lives on site um, so I was bubbled with his family right from the beginning. So we were very careful for the first couple of weeks after his kids finished school. And then once we'd got through two weeks and no one had anything, we had kind of some meals together and went, you know just able to have a bit more of a life <laughs> rather than a, rather just getting squashed in there. But it was um yeah. I had people say to me, "Oh, did you still get on with your reading and writing?" And I said, "Well, I tried, but I was trying to deal with." insurance companies the consulate because all the flights have been cancelled and my oncologist um, because I was only supposed to be abroad for two months and suddenly it looked like I was still going to be there possibly in July August uh, and just obviously no one knew what was going on Um, so yeah I managed managed to get a consulate flight back on the 2nd of May so uh, a very full flight because um, I think they only put five or six flights on, and there was more people than that wanted them so but, um very lucky to get a business class seat, which was nice. It was kind of luck of the draw <laughs> so, um, but yeah okay. <laughs> Sorry about
0: that. So while you're away, obviously you were connected to everybody that you know, um, by the internet, you know, so so your experience, um, you know, I can look out my window and I can see people. um, You can look out your window there and and see a beautiful beach, um, but, you know no people and everybody that you know is on the other side of the world that's 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 not great
1: yeah it was it was quite hard it was um you know, and i think a lot of people are quite jealous that i was next to this beautiful beach that i managed to go for a walk on every day i think it was a kilometer long according to my pokemon that i was walking along it um but um i mean yeah the digital made it uh, a lot easier in a lot of ways um So I, you know, I did some stuff by webinars, I could chat to people on Facebook, obviously the time difference is one of those things, it doesn't matter where in the world or what time it is, but most people in the UK were asleep while I was awake and vice versa. Um, But one of the things I did particularly once uh, we got a message from the foreign office saying you should try and get home and flights were like $83,000 one way. And you're just like, uh, uh, no. it was, um, so I was having a look, at, oh, my brain's gone, what was I saying? Flying <laughs> home. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was the, once Once the foreign office had told us to fly home and it just looked ridiculously expensive. I was chatting to some of my friends and um, my friends, um, Andrew and Jane Greystone, I spoke to particularly. Um, and we just got in a habit of when I woke up in the morning, so it's night time in the UK, I'd have a chat to them. And we'd try and look at what my options were and how to try and keep my head in some kind of vaguely sane place. Um, And uh, we'd normally finish the call with, he'd say, have a day. it doesn't matter if it's a good day or a bad day, just have a day. day. Um, And I also found this online booking system thing I could do. um, And I put when I would be available to have chats to people. um, So kind of my evening and other people's morning. And... um, People the other side of the world could book themselves in for a chat with me, and it would put it in our calendars and it would work out all the time difference for us. Um, so that was really nice. That sort of helped keep me sane as well. Um, so, um, but I mean, I made mention of oncologists as well, didn't I? So yeah. I am dealing with incurable cancer, um, and um, I was only supposed to have a two month break from treatment, so I wanted to get home. So we were trying to deal with insurance companies, New Zealand oncologists um I still need to get about a thousand pound back for the appointments and scans I went to out there and um so yes but I'm super glad I did come back because I know you know um this week I've just found another tumor and I have to start a different treatment um so yeah um um you know it's really nice being in a beautiful part of the world and I still hope I get a chance to go back but Sometimes it's really good being near one of the top hospitals for cancer in the UK. Yeah, that helps. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so
0: um, well, we're glad you're back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's trying to trying to find the little uh, positives, isn't it? When uh, life feels really hard at the moment, so it's trying to say, you know, this is good, this is good, this is good. Yeah. Um, as well, as,
0: that, so uh, that connection has been really important for you through all of this, and I know that you've shared your journey. Um, Kind of online and 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 that people have been able to kind of join you in that and that you found tremendous comfort and and other people um, as part of that.
1: Yeah, and it's sort of comfort from friends who don't necessarily know what it's like, but they care about me and they'll read what I post. And also connecting with new people who are in the same boat as I am. Um, I've got another friend who's going through temp- testing this week, trying to work out she's definitely got a new tumor somewhere, but I haven't worked out where yet. Um, and so there's that kind of encouragement from people there's a there's a really difficult side to that as well because you make all these new friends and then in the last four or five weeks lost at least five people that I directly know and then you know you see other people that you haven't really got to know but someone in the group says oh so and so has also died and um, most of the time we're quite good at saying died not passed over or lost um so yeah yeah um and it's i'm interested in that um as in an academic way as a, well as a personal way so i'm halfway through writing an autoethnography of having cancer in a digital age to trying to reflect on my own process of how it's helped me um and what that might mean for other people trying to use sort of similar tactics and um, one of the interesting ones was uh, the fact that when I went for my first diagnosis no one knew that I'd gone for treatment apart from a handful of people who knew privately and then suddenly I have to, I have to post um I'll just use a little infographic that said one in eight women will get cancer and now I'm a statistic um and then my second one by that point I was doing this thing called waiting room feet where I was taking pictures of my feet in all the different waiting rooms which really gives a sense of how much time we spent sat in waiting rooms and typically I'll chat to people until I go in and then 10 minutes later you get me come out and go that's done and my secondary diagnosis, I went quiet for four or five hours and people were like, Yeah, this is not good news. Yeah. Um so and this the one this week um I'd posted that I'd gone in and just halfway down the conversation I just put another tumor and all I could hear was my phone buzzing while I was talking to the nurse to help. um so yeah and we're also we're also trying to do a big bid um finding out how cancer patients use social media generally um, and whether that impacts what they choose treatment wise how it helps kind of mental health wise um, uh, and so i think there's quite a lot of work to be done there i think i think a lot of medics uh, are, are like a lot of people with digital they just kind of go oh you're going to be sharing dangerous information um, we want to kind of we want to control this narrative and you're like you can't because the conversation's already going on elsewhere
0: yeah I suppose that that i mean across the board that's one of the the concerns that people have with social media isn't it that the the kind of fake news stuff and that that people um take a tiny little bit of information that might be true but then add it onto something else that that makes it unhelpful and yeah, yeah I, 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 in that situation that's particularly unhelpful because then you end up with oh your treatment might look like this and uh, you know the i suppose one of the the things that people uh, who have no experience of of cancer don't really get is that nobody's cancer's the same. Yeah. You know, and so every everyone's treatment is tailored specifically to them. Um, you know, so your experience isn't always going to be the same as someone else, even if you've got a very similar diagnosis.
1: Yeah, and the same. I mean, so we'll go on. So I'm probably gonna change my um drug course. And so I'm going on, I'll be I'll be saying to the group who else has had this and what kind of things have you had, but we know that it might not be the same for me. Um they might have different side effects but I guess one of the one of the joys of digital is you can have hundreds of people in a group um, so there's more chance of running into someone who can help whereas the physical groups, groups you go to there's typically ten of you yeah. maybe and um, and I remember I went to um, Maggie's for some face-to-face groups um, after I'd finished my first run of treatment and I was really surprised at the questions people were asking because I was like, I asked those online like the first week I got diagnosed. Um, If you're waiting this long to ask these questions you're missing out on a whole lot. Um, So and that I think that's what's driving the big project we're trying to do is I think a lot of people are missing the, the kind of community benefits but also you know the kind of questions you can ask people and um, because i'm you know i'm in a group with people other people with secondaries and when i've said oh it looks like this treatment's not working anymore and then ask your oncologist this question this question this question and it, it doesn't mean what they're saying is right but i now know to ask the question yeah
0: yeah, yeah. one of the one of the uh, the nice little strategy strategies you mentioned earlier on um, in passing uh, pokemon yes you, you are a pokemon go player <laughs>
1: Yes. <laughs> why? why? <laughs> um, I just—I mean, I've never been a gamer, so I'm kind of fascinated that I've been playing this for—what? Well, how long has it been out? Three, four years must yeah. be now. And um, it's—I um, had a go at the beginning because the Church of England put some content out that said um, lots of churches are poker stops. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I thought I want to understand what this game is. I'm going to go out and have a go. So I played with it for a couple of weeks. Did a Radio 4 interview on it, um, wrote a blog post about it and thought, oh, I'm done. Um, And then one of my friends a couple of weeks later was like, oh, I'm at level 10. It's actually really good. Um, So ever since then, I've carried on playing it. And one of the things that kind of keeps me going is that every single day you have to go to a Pokestop to collect items. And you need to catch a Pokemon. And if you do that, you get extra bonus points. So even when I first started Keem Therapy, the first day after chemotherapy i was very wobbly and the nearest poker stop was a one kilometer little loop but i would go and do it and then you'd kind of a couple of days later you think well i'd go to the next stop and the next one and because it's incremental and depends where you are rural it's quite hard to find yeah. stops but <laughs> i'm in a kind of suburban area so there's enough stops to give me just something to do just one more yeah. um so Yes, it got me out of the house every day oh, that's brilliant <laughs> so,
0: absolutely brilliant and you've probably caught have you cut them all
1: uh, no not yet no and i'm still there's 40 levels and i'm on 39 still so uh still. <laughs> still <going. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah in some ways I'm not as I I speak to other people who are very dedicated players and know a lot more about having battles and all this kind of thing and I'm like the thing for me is it gets me out the door yeah. uh, um so everything else yeah I did catch a special one in New Zealand oh well done uh, there's one you can only catch there And I caught it, I think, the third day there and was really excited. And then I think by the time I'd walked that beach, I caught one nearly every day. So I've got like 80 (laughs) in there. Um, (laughs) So I think it's called a relin cath or something. So um,
0: (laughs) So all this stuff, this digital stuff, um, the the church around the world seems to have discovered Yes. Of it fairly, fairly recently yes. um, which isn't to say that the church hasn't been online uh, in the last while but you know obviously as soon as everything shuts down physically people look to, to the internet to be able to um, do things um, so what, what, what kinds of things um, should we be looking at um, in, in terms of even just the kind of trends in that, and that you know have you kind of noticed that people are doing particular things are they just trying to replicate life in real life online or or are there things that are are kind of interesting about that?
1: I think there's a mix of things going on. I think definitely when the lockdown first happened, people didn't really have time to think about anything much. So most places just tried to kind of replicate what they were doing. And to be honest, I think that's a kind of fair enough first move if you if you've not really done any of this stuff. And I've seen the same with universities. Uh, You know, people have just taken the lecture they've written, started doing the lecture and done it onto onto Zoom um, and I think people will take that at the beginning because it's an emergency but I think if you think you've then done digital church you, you haven't really thought about what it really is um, and need to think a bit more about what it really does is it I mean I guess you know I teach marketing and in some ways I think that church is trying to do a marketing job we're trying to market Jesus to people rather than our own specific church And one of the things I think, so some people think marketing is like trying to sell people stuff they don't need. And there's certainly some of that happens. But actually, the best marketers are looking at what the audience really wants and how the product they have will fit best. So if we're thinking about how do we reach people best with Jesus, then how do we do that using the digital tools that are available to us? And doing an online sermon may fit the button sometimes and that may be what your group wants um I thought it was quite interesting I had a conversation with someone at the beginning and they were thinking that they were going to use the church over the next town because they already were used to doing online stuff so it was all professional and actually they realized that what people want in the middle of a crisis is they want some familiarity so actually they want to see their own minister and the people they're doing um, so I think it's about finding out what what works for you, when I've come back to the UK I have um, rejoined a URC church um, and when we're on, we're all on Zoom and we only need two screens of Zoom because there's not hundreds of us, so that works really well for a small group um, and, and so a lot of it is thinking are you a small church, are you a big church um, one of my friends goes to um, All Souls in London so they've been doing kind of fairly professional level stuff online and then this weekend they are opening the church but you know there's going to be no singing in the church yeah, all that kind of stuff um so um it's thinking about what really works because at the beginning of lockdown actually I felt really overwhelmed by the amount of content that was possibly available I mean I've barely been to church for the last three years because I've been overtired or sick or immune compromised and uh, I was like oh I could join lots of stuff and I was just like oh it's too much too much and you know watching people trying to do the exact same service with just the minister maybe singing I'm like yeah this is not for me Um, (laughs) so I've enjoyed the zoom stuff I've rejoined my old house group from Durham so I don't know what happens when they go back to meeting face to face I guess I'll better find one geographically closer but also I was chatting to um, Sir Patti who's the chaplain now in Vaughan Park and um, so he was being encouraged to do something online but he said I don't just want to add to the noise with what's going online um, and so I, I came back from Walk on the Beach and I said to him what is Vaughan Park supposed to be about you know it's a space where people can come to learn more, to relax, to enjoy the beach, to try and have a bit of breathing space. Um, So how can we do that online? So I've ended up setting up a little Instagram account um, which comes from the chapel rather than the centre and he's been doing some short sermons. He did a couple of them in Samoan um, because that's his, that's his language. And I just said, you know, there's a lot of art that's beautiful there. You get a lot of visitors you could talk to. Um, and, and it's a kind of extension of the values of the place. And I think that's what I really want churches to think about.
0: Yeah, that, that kind of sense of who are we and what might that look like yeah. online you know, rather than just let's replicate yeah everybody else is doing
1: yeah Um, because i saw um miranda travel homes tweeted yesterday that she's saying when her church goes back to having a physical space they want to continue doing some stuff online but she thinks that's going to be two different services um
0: yeah we've been having the same conversation because what i've been doing is sort of like what i would do in church but it's not the same yeah you know it's it's you know apart from anything else it's sitting in my living room with my t-shirt on as opposed to standing in the pulpit wearing a dull collar so it and immediately feels different um yeah. to people and, and people have commented on that it feels like they're in my house and i'm in their house yeah. which is a very different kind of dynamic so so you have to be aware i guess of of what's it, what's going on and that and the way that you speak ap- apart from anything else it might be different
1: a different so, subliminal messaging isn't yeah. it because yeah. it's i mean one of the quotes i always love to i don't know if i can remember the exact quote but pam smith who's written a book on um, online ministry from the perspective of being, I think, the first UK online minister for, um, I want to say St. Pixels, um, based in Oxford Diocese. And she's saying, you know, it's an every member ministry and it's very much about living our lives alongside each other. So whereas sometimes church in a building can feel like you turn up on a Sunday say hi, how's your week and disappear, the digital, if you can use it well, with that you can end up with a twenty four seven church that's much more, and it's much more powerful.
0: Um, yeah, I guess one of the one of the fears of digital is that it's impersonal, that it's you know, that, uh, I, I, it's hard to hard to explain what I mean. Um, I, you know, that it's distant, that, that you don't know who people are. You know, I I, I post a service on Facebook. And I only know who's watching it because my friends who are watching it come up on the side. The rest of the people that watch it, I have no idea who they are, where they are. Um, But at the same time, um, it offers an opportunity to be, um, as you said, alongside people in a way that you just can't be all the time in the physical world. Because, you know, you've got this little device in your pocket that connects you to everybody, you know, if you want it to. And that opens up huge opportunities, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. yeah, and it's, um, I got interviewed a couple of years ago by a business journal because I was talking about, I think I went to an event where we were talking about can you be professional and personal in the same space? And I very much mixed my whole can- cancer experience in with uh, what I do professionally. Um, and uh, the quote he really picks out was, I don't know how I would have done cancer without Facebook and Netflix. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, those tools really help improve quality of life so um i mean definitely when i've had chemo i've tried to have people come and see me physically most days but you know when you have chemo in the middle of winter i had a whole week where everyone had a cold and couldn't come um so but you know we can talk online and i think i know people are talking about zoom fatigue but there is still you know that we can at least still chat to people Um, I spent most of yesterday when I was trying to process, spoke to my mum lives four hours away, spoke to her for an hour, Um, you know, spoke to a friend who's just got back from Liberia Um, and she's speaking to her family in Australia. Um, So it's broken down a whole load of those barriers, which I think some people find quite scary. But I think quite a lot of the negative stuff will come out of early research into digital. Mm-hmm. So when you needed to be properly geeky and you'd sit on your own in a dark room for hours. Um, and I think people think you still do that. And actually, for me, I, whenever I run my um, social media for the scared training that I used to do for churches, uh, and I'd always say to people, most of the time when you say social media, people focus on the media and they say, oh, I don't do technology and all that kind of thing. And I say, actually, if you focus on the social and the communication side of it, it's actually about thinking about what you want to do and why. And how does the tool let you do that? Um, and we're not saying that every minister should learn how to use YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, I'm I'm still waiting for some TikTok sermons. Uh, <laughs> they're gonna be interesting. Yeah. Not done that yet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, I have seen a couple of sort of Christian things come up, but I, I obviously haven't liked enough. The algorithm's quite um quite fascinating on TikTok. I think I clicked a couple of nurse things and suddenly yeah. uh, su- suggesting twelve million more nurses to follow and I was like, Hang on, hang on. <laughs> what happened to it's the kind other kind of early
0: days of anything isn't it it kind of really skews your uh, your yeah. yeah so yeah
1: and I haven't, I haven't got the patience to learn how to do all the tiktok dances For people who don't know tiktok is like you do dance challenges or you lip sync along to things mostly yeah. Yeah.
0: could you lip sync sermons that'd be good
1: yes that would be <laughs> <laughs> It's just experimenting with yeah. stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And it, having to do it in a really short, because they're all really short. Um, and I think, I think that's been part of my fascination with, my PhD was posters, which obviously are very short messages. Mm. And then Twitter really is still one of my favourite mediums. And I think because I like to write everything down and think about everything, I've got like loads of notes. And I'm like, how do I condense that into...
0: Yeah, I remember when I was training... Um- you know, the the person that was doing our kind of uh, preaching uh, course was like, you know, if you can't say this in a sentence, then, you know, the rest of it's just commentary around that sentence, you know, so if you can't say it in a tweet, then uh, you haven't focused enough, you know, if you don't know what this is about, and you can't explain it to somebody in 140 characters, then you're you're lost, and you've lost them too, so, you know, all the rest, you know, might be interesting, but it's not about what it's about, so, you know, (laughs) Those kind of like, like what's, what's today's sermon about yeah. that really helps me you know having to to compose a tweet to 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 say you know this is what we're talking about today yeah
1: it's your takeaway message yeah
0: yeah yeah it's a kind of summary isn't it it's that you know and and, and um as you said that there's so much noise at mm-hmm. the moment being able to kind of cut through that with things that people are actually interested in and discovering Weird things that you thought nobody would be interested in, but they really are, um, and 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 being brave enough to share that with the wider community, um, I think, is has been a really interesting experience. You know, for me as as much as for the people that I see around about. We we created a, our church as a garden, um, and so we've just stuck some poles with um, some prayer. You know, would be like prayer stations if it was in a church. So we've done it in the garden and put some ribbons on the uh, on the gate. So we've closed the gate, put some ribbons on, and people are, uh, in the community, oh, that's a brilliant idea, I'm totally coming down to do that. And you're thinking, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, there's like a hundred people who have never been in the church. But oh, I'm going to come and tie a ribbon on the gate. You know, so the opportunities for those small, um, kind of ritualistic kind of acts, but which really connect with the experience that people are having. There, there's loads of things like that that, that the church can be doing. Um, to help people to express how they feel or, or how they feel connected to each other or disconnected from people and all that kind of stuff.
1: And not everyone needs to do the same thing. But I think, one. Honestly, I, I sometimes think when people are like, well, you know, literally people are like, if you had five years left to live, which who knows, uh, what would you do? And I'm like, well, if, if money was no object, I probably just would go around and chat to people and build up this massive bank of tips for how to use stuff well, because I feel like I watch people just make the same mistakes over and over again. And I'm like, actually, if we talk to each other more,
0: so what are they? What are the what the like top three mistakes that people make?
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Put you on the spot.
1: I mean, I think I mean the biggest mistake is not really looking at what anyone else is doing, is it? Isn't it? It's just. It's like a bad student essay, they just <laughs> resummarize summarize what I've done in the lecture, uh, rather than going and look at other books, and and they think they've got this brilliant new idea, and you go and have a look, and you're like, no, people have been doing that for 20 years, um, which I think some churches have been doing, they're going, oh, we could go online, no one else has ever done this, you know, yeah. uh, that? I you have, um, have a
0: confession, in my uh, first degree, I uh, studied community education, and to write an essay about housing policy, and when I handed it in, I got the comment back, you could have used chapter seven too. <laughs> 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 yes, it definitely does, Yeah.
1: definitely <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Point taken. Yeah, you're just like, oh, this book's got all the answers. Like, yeah, yeah I yeah,
0: had because the guy that was marking the thing had written it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they want to see you find something else. Yeah, as well. So, um I guess, uh, I'm trying to think about the other thing. The other thing, I guess, is people panicking and think they need to use everything. Um, And I guess the other big thing is not not seeing what it can do differently. Um, So just assuming that what you're doing has worked for 200 years, so therefore... um, this this must work and we can just use it in the same way because yeah. um, i think one of the questions that's quite often struck with people that i've left people with at the end of kind of training on social media for the scared is like i know this feels like something else is going to take up your time and you know you're already working six days a week and i and it's a you don't have to do it all but you need to create an environment where people in the church feel like you can do it but also what is the cost of not doing it and then you've got to look at what else you do and what might need to go to give space for this. Um, and I'm not saying every church needs to do it, but you know, you need to ask the questions. Because um, I did a, I did a training event for URC head office, and um, they were saying, you know, our oh, our demographic is towards the higher end, <laughs> um, so lots of people are not necessarily using digital and it was kind of like well actually older people do do use it quite a lot but if you find that's not your group then you either need to think do you want to train them to do some stuff but also you want to be thinking about who might come and join um who do you want to join and what what are they listening to there was a tweet this morning they were saying Church of England was trying to work out if they're like Radio 4 or Radio 2 or something and someone said, "So they're asking this question, whereas actually, if we want to reach young people with Spotify or YouTube, it's yeah. <laughs> completely the wrong channel." Yeah, um, yeah.
0: yeah, and that I, I guess that's that's always going to be difficult because uh, you know I find myself. <laughs> I, I suppose it's there's the kind of classic comment that um, everybody listens to the music that they listened to when they were somewhere between eighteen and twenty-one, and they kind of discover some new things along the way, but. You know, really, it's just the new albums that those people that were listening to when they were 21 have, have put out. Um, and you get really confused with things like Spotify because it keeps saying, you might like this, you might like this. And you thought, well, yeah, I don't want to like that. I want to listen to, you know, old oh, <laughs> music. Yeah, where's my 80s playlist? Thanks. Um, and, you know, making those kinds of moves, you know, the, the, that the, that's a huge shift from, you know, physically owning music you know, sort of buying LPs and uh, CDs and even tapes, uh, <laughs> to, to finding everything in one place online um, and having it suggest things to you. Um, whereas you would just, uh, you know, you listen to the radio to to find that out. And even I think, you know, as you 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 move through your life, the the radio station you listen to changes. You know, so people of my age hardly ever listen to radio one anymore. And I don't know why that is because it's not like they don't play stuff I like, but you know, but but and the radio stations are really clever with that. So all the DJs that were on Radio One when I was twenty are now on Radio Two, yeah, and they've just kind of moved over and they're still, you know, doing the same kind of thing. And it's nice and gentle and comfortable, and I don't have to think too much about it, and I don't have to be challenged too much about it. And I guess that's part of the fear, isn't it, that if we go and do something new because there are other people out there, all these Radio One listeners, um, who might come and join the church. You know, well, I'm I'm nearly 50, you know, what on earth have I got to say to them? And then you then you remember that Pete Tom's older than me and you know, John Peel had this incredible, you know, following of, you know, and he was a guy who was in his sixties who was playing stuff that nobody'd ever heard before. Um, so it's not that you can't do it. It's just a mindset, isn't it? It's, it's part of, of, you know. Well, I been, do that.
1: Yeah, I think it's being prepared to experiment. Because, I mean, uh, p- people think that I do everything digitally. But, I mean, we've just talked about Spotify. I don't actually have a paid Spotify account. I use one occasionally. But I have Radio, I have Radio 2 playing on my Alexa most of the time. I think my Alexa is basically just a very expensive Radio 2. Um, I quite often forget to do anything else with it. Um Video, I hadn't done a lot of. Um, So, um, yeah, it's kind of, you know, I find Instagram, Facebook, Twitter very comfortable. TikTok, I'm not so good at. Um, What's the other one? Snapchat. (sighs) Never really got my head around that. Um, And some of it is you need people to connect with, to experiment with stuff properly. So, I don't really know enough people on Snapchat to really get my head around it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, some of the the, the stuff that, that worries people, you know, once we've once we've been in this for a while, you know, we've got past the initial crisis, uh, quick everybody do something. Um, people have started to have conversations about um what does discipleship look like online? You know, producing worship is actually pretty straightforward. You know, it's you you, you do what you would do and somebody films it and you post it to YouTube, it's not that difficult. Um but what what about this kind of um, idea that well, what if we're stuck here for a while? What if you know? And I I hate that uh, that idea. You know that we're stuck here as if uh, as if being online is yeah is bad. You know, or it's it's not as good as real life, or you know all the things that people say, and which are really unhelpful and and actually just incredibly untrue. And I think we're starting to discover that. So what what does discipleship look like? Do you think on online?
1: Yeah, I mean, part of it, I think, is the blending thing. I was just thinking back to when you said, you know, you're sat at home in your T-shirt and that's changed your relationship. And I think you'll find that when you go back into, you do have the building space, it's going to change. It might have broken down some different barriers, which some ministers will like and some won't. Um, um, But I think... um, the discipleship online so i used to run the big bible project where we had hashtag did so what does it mean to be a disciple in a digital age and a lot of that was thinking about how could you be a christian online i actually i wrote a piece in an academic journal kind of on this a couple of years ago surveillance and society journal and thinking about are we the face of god online but that does that come with a pressure to be like this all the time or actually is it more about sharing the whole of life which is partly what I've tried to do with my cancer treatment is there's ups and downs um in all of it um so Instagram typically is lots of people like looking super beautiful all the time and I put pictures of me I'll put picture of me crying on the way out of the hospital on Wednesday um sort of trying to show the you know the whole picture of that so it's thinking about um how do we use it because i am one of the things uh i've thought about before and um, chris rogers has done here is we we are just making disciples mm-hmm. website um and he's talked about the difference between inner and outer kind of faith aspects and how we can have digital helping with both of those so outer is kind of evangelism i guess um social justice um feeding the sick all those kind of things mm-hmm. whereas in is maybe bible study Prayer. Um, although I find it quite interesting that Bible study for a long time has been seen as a very individual thing, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really loved in lockdown is one of my friends um, went on YouVersion and invited me to do a Bible study with her. Uh, And there's about 10 of us now and we just finished one yesterday and she went, should we do another one? Um, Because it's actually much harder, much, much harder to not do it. It's easier to go on because, you know, everyone else is doing their Bible study that day. So um, you go on and join it. So it's finding the right tools for that kind of inner and outer life. And thinking about what the digital does, so I tend to argue that the digital amplifies pre-existing culture. Um, it might start to change it, um, but really what you put in is what you're gonna get out, um, all, all those ones and zeros. Um, so I was thinking about what kind of tools. I use an app called Prayer Mate for prayers. Um, and so I feed in a list of names of people. You can put people in different categories. And you say, so show me three of these every day, and one person from this category every day. Um, and some of it's just finding things in daily routine. So not a particularly Christian one. I've got an app that's three good things. So the last thing I do before I go tonight uh, to bed is yeah. write three things I'm thankful for. Yeah. Um, and so you know, even over the last couple of days, which have been really hard, there's things I can be thankful for. Yeah. You know? and, I live five Again, that, Christy, so. Yeah,
0: I mean, that, that that you said that's not a particularly Christian thing. That's where that's the basis of the examine. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of is. <laughs> it's just it's not it's, it's not a Christian. Not, app, so yeah, it's,
1: it's a not got a badge
0: on it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. A, yeah. and I found um, things like uh, I've I've got uh, the what's it called Common Worship, the, the Shane Claiborne kind of liturgy book, and um, but I've also got the app. Uh, and I use the app much much more than the book because the book's enormous apart from everything else. <laughs> it's
1: and easier, okay,
0: you know, and it's easy. You know, it's just you know as you said, you go to bed at night and it's there's an evening prayer and you can you know click on this and and follow it through. And it's a really ancient liturgy collection. You know, it's it's just taken you know all of the stuff that's been lying around for hundreds of years and curated it into a book, which is brilliant, and then put it in an app. You know, so it's not nothing in it's new, um, but it you know, it's delivered in a different way and in a way that I'm much more likely to engage with than if I had to go and find a book and, you know, flick through, you know, this massive...
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I I mean, the number of times I've done Bible study on the bus because, you know, that's kind of semi-dead time. So, and it's on my phone. Whereas if I was having to carry around, I must have six paper Bibles in this house. I don't think I looked at any of them for about five years because I've just used e-version um, all the time. <laughs> and it's the
0: same yeah. even in terms of preparation that, uh, it's the dogs again, uh, you know, it's the, you've got Bible Gateway first then you can compare all the, ver- you I'd know, rather than getting five different versions of the same passage out on the books, than. you
1: know. Yeah. It's easier. But this is what I because I sometimes think is they're not like a, a sermon bank somewhere. And I know the same as when I'm teaching a lecture, I'm always going to personalise it and it's going to come through. Um, but it's, you know, I heard people at the beginning of lockdown saying, oh, it's just taking me eight hours to prepare and upload my video. I'm like, is that the, is that the best use of your time? Um, at the moment. Um, so, but it's thinking about the other kind of, daily stuff you can do it so um one of my uh, favorite verses is the message version of uh, romans 12 uh, one to two i think which is take your ordinary everyday life and give it to god and i see the digital as part of my ordinary everyday life um but there's also the don't be so comfortable in it that you don't question how it works so you know can we get more christians who understand how it works who can help us use it better who can be software engineers who can you know work for facebook or somewhere like that and shape the culture there um because people might say it's just a platform but they're hugely powerful platforms you know built by a white middle-class bloke um and that's shaping people's conversations and we're seeing, aren't we, over the last few weeks, the, the last couple of years, fake news is a big concern and uh, Black Lives Matter. Because um, I remember, you know, they were saying apps quite often are built by men. So like the health app on the iPhone classically um didn't have like a period tracker or anything on it when it was first built because no one had even thought about that because there was no women on the team
0: and even the step length is a, an average male step yeah. length you know that kind of you know everybody's six foot tall and takes yeah. a one meter straight <laughs> obviously
1: so um yeah so um you know i'm thinking i i tend to think about it sort of that discipleship is our lives and questioning where we fit in the whole So there's the actions we do every day online, but actually, can we fit into shaping society and culture in a bigger way? Can we question legislation? Um, Can we question what's seen as the norm? Um, The other set of verses I get people to look at is the fruits of the spirit um, and say, what does it mean to have patience and self-control online? when it's a space when people just go um, <laughs> so. yeah
0: and, and often the reason why so many people disengage they you know, just kind of like you know twitter's just full of people who are really angry all the time <laughs> but it's not you know there's some really really fascinating people on there who are, are talking about some really great stuff and amongst all of the people
1: who are really angry all the time and you have to find the right yeah. People, but it's trying to find the right people without cutting off because the the echo chamber thing worries me yeah. um you know i i know the last couple of elections when i've looked at it i think a couple of elections ago the lib dems would have walked it if my <laughs> and yeah. then i think the last election the green party would have walked it if my social media was a reflection of what was really happening yeah. and it's not yeah.
0: Um, yeah because you're not you're you're not going to vote a particular way so nobody's going to send you that information yeah. yeah and then so you don't hear it um yeah
1: yeah, yeah and it's, it's that kind of invisibility is a little bit concerning i think so yeah.
0: and then we're really surprised yeah come because that's not what you know nobody i know has been talking about that and
1: then yeah. <laughs> what <laughs> do <you> do <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah. i can remember i think um not long after, was it long after Donald Trump had got in? she uh, named McDonald, um, she was following Trump on like Twitter and Facebook, and she just she put a post up and she said, "Don't everyone think I've kind of gone to the <laughs> to the other side?" But I'm like, I was so surprised by what people were saying. I need to understand yeah. what the conversation is for yeah. other
0: people How has this worked.
1: Yeah, and I'm not. I
0: guess as someone involved. who's so um. State-town digital marketing, you know, mm-hmm. that's your world, you know, that, yeah. that kind of, uh, you know, how, how do you, you know, what is it you have to say to make people think that this is a good idea? Yeah. You know, and somebody yeah. somewhere is doing a really good job of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, do look, cause I because um, I did a paper about, um, did an interview with the newspaper about the last general election, We were having a look because it looked like Labour were doing a better job on social media because they were doing all the public upfront stuff. But the Conservative Party was spending a fortune on kind of secret ads and black ops and it clearly paid off. Um, So um, it's it's looking beyond what people are doing on a daily basis and saying, hang on, what's going on kind of behind the scenes? Because I think that every time I see, you know, on Twitter one of those kind of things that someone's been a real buffoon in the Tory party and you're like, hang on, what, what's going on behind here <laughs> that um, that they're trying to kind of hide behind news that's just creating noise and leaving no space or something else?
0: Yeah, for a whole load of people that buffoonery um, actually ticks their boxes and presses their buttons you know it reinforces what they already think and somebody said it out loud and even though if it's a buffoonery thing and they're going to apologize for it tomorrow actually it's just reinforced they won't hear the apology they've had someone else reinforce their their understanding of the world or their view or
1: yeah. yeah i got asked last week actually about whether someone was having a look at um tiktok and the boris bop so that um stay at home, go to work, stay at home, go to work, kind of, and loads of people have been doing variations of that on Twitter, on TikTok. And she was asking whether I thought that would change the next election. And I said, well, it's going to change the culture. And it's that classic thing, isn't it? Someone's like, oh, it's only a bit of banter, but it's, it's okay. just it? a bit of legitimacy. Um, um, uh, um, and you look like someone stupid, for. Having pulled someone up on it,
0: yeah. Um, yeah. so the churches need to get much more savvy about that whole world you know it's not enough just to you know tweet that Jesus loves you, yeah you know that yeah. that's that's not going to cut it um unless people already believe that and then they'll they're going to agree
1: yeah, and I think the big thing as well is um, and I think this is where a lot of ministers need to think about how do they help their congregations so people tend to think how do I get people to come to my church and then in their head this becomes how do I get them to come to my Facebook page and my website whereas actually what I think church leaders need to be doing is equipping their church to be the face of God on you know in these other spaces because people are not going to come to church but they may be friends with Christians Um, and they don't want a Christian friend at 10 o'clock every morning post a Bible verse or post nothing but bible verses but if your christianity is clearly part of your life but you have other aspects of it um i think people are quite open to kind of having a you know a chat with you if as long as they don't feel like you're you've friended them as a possible project
0: yeah <laughs> yeah we've we've seen that um so we post uh the same thing in uh, multiple places, so we have the you know the kind of Sunday service goes on Facebook and it goes on uh, YouTube and uh, sort of access to those two places from lots of other places. But one of the things that fascinates me is uh, nobody shares it, so there's like three people that share it, um, yeah. and they share it every week, um, but nobody else does. You know, and, and according to in the metrics, we're doing okay in terms of people that are watching, um, but it's that you know it's it's absolutely that people don't want to be that person. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the people know that they go to church and all that kind of stuff, but they don't want to be that person that's like, oh, every week we're going to share the service, and you should really come and join in, kind of thing. And and that's okay. Yeah, it's this kind of you know, but we do it in real life too. You know, it's the same. You know, I don't want to be that person who only talks about, you know, coming to church, and yeah. but the the you know the extension of that sometimes is that people never talk about it. You know, so they get to the point where you know they just become really uncomfortable talking about their faith, or, or admitting, or are or showing in this other space that they, they even have a, an interest. Um, yeah. you know, but, which you kind of goes all, almost completely against the the idea that you were you know saying there that, that you know it's about sharing all of your life.
1: Mm.
0: You know, and and that that's part of it. You know, it's not the only thing you're ever going to talk about, but it's definitely part of it.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's trying to show, because I remember I, um, I ran some workshops for teenagers and was asking them what they were sharing. And it did have the whole gamut of someone who basically went on and just posted Bible verses. So I don't seem to have many friends. And I'm like, oh, why? Um, and others who were like, they walked away and they said, you know what, next week I'm, I'm just going to casually post that I've just been to church. The same as I would post that I've just been to a football match. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Um, and I'm like, I think that's that's how it works. And it's going to be slightly different for everyone. Um, you know, there's no ten ways to do this kind of thing. Although I should probably think of some because then I get loads of traffic on my blog.
0: You would, yeah, yeah. That's the perfect yeah. post, isn't it? Yeah.
1: yeah, but it is kind of being aware of different stuff, isn't it? Because I remember. Um, Uh, I don't know if it would still work now, but when YouTube first started appearing in Google reports, um, if you put something like how to pray, uh, you know, loads of Islamic pages come up. And I was like, we need some Christians producing some good posts entitled how to pray. And then we've got a chance of appearing there. Um, We
0: just assume everybody knows.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And people don't, do they? Yeah. Uh, you know i've got a lot of friends who are like you're talking to that weird uh imaginary being in the sky again yeah. um, and it's yeah it's trying to kind of mix mix bits of it in and it's been you know yeah it's been really interesting with the kind of cancer experience trying not you know i'm not happy all the time it's really rubbish yeah. um and it's trying to show the mix of that but i'm very aware that i don't want to be the you know we don't want to be the christian bore, and we don't want to be the cancer bore. you kind of don't want to do any of those things <laughs> all the time
0: yeah and it's amazing what people's perceptions are so i i very occasionally run right i don't run nearly as much as people think i do um and that's been really interesting i, I remember a while ago i I'd, I'd, i think i'd run like twice in three months right yeah. and i tend to post those you know, so, tw- you know, Strava or good Garmin or whatever kick my run to Facebook, right? And I did that, right. So without looking back, how many times do you think I've run in the last two months? And people way overestimated, you know, they're kind of oh, maybe 10 or 12 runs. And I'd run like three times in two months. Um, that's what they'd see. That's what they see. You know, <laughs> so so some of that's about, oh, you, oh, you always run. So it's just a kind of, you know, that's a reinforced message. So that's what they see. Um and, and that's fascinating, you know. That kind of you don't you haven't seen all the other stuff that I posted, but you remember that, you know. Yeah. You know, and that, that there's there's something really powerful in that. So you don't have to post a lot; you just have to post occasionally, and people will see it. And and
1: and. Will just feed into it, yeah. Because yeah. um, and Andy Byers, uh, one of his quotes is one I use quite a lot, which is, um, you know, your tweets, blog posts, and everything they should be infused with God. And there's a mix of, that doesn't mean they all have to be Christian, but also one of the things he said is, he said, there's no point being really digitally savvy, but having no theological sense to go along with it. So you, <laughs> you want both. There's no good having an amazing website and terrible theology. Um,
0: yeah, because one of the things that astonishes me about my, my friends' Facebook feeds is that, you know, occasionally somebody will post something and you think, what? You don't think that. What? i was
1: gonna say that could be a bit like the rebecca long bailey thing yeah. and
0: yeah. the,
1: she posted a thing and then has ended up losing her place because she's seen as anti-semitic and she's yeah. like she probably never never read the whole article yeah things.
0: yeah yeah and that's part of the problem isn't it Or we don't think about you know who where did this come from and what's the agenda behind it the yeah. thing that i've just shared you know it, it's it's, it's as you said, just being a bit savvy about you know how you say things and how other people will hear them, um, which is you know it's always one of the most difficult things I think about being online because somebody at some point is going to hear something that they'll take offence to, even if no offence was intended. Yeah, and it's really easy to pick up people on a word or a phrase or a you know because you want it to mean that, yeah. um, you want to be annoyed with them because you're on Twitter and that's what you do when you we do need to be careful but uh, you know not to the point where we just avoid it completely because it's far too important for that isn't it
1: and i think being prepared to apologize for stuff and say i got that wrong um you know there's been some quite delicate conversations about kind of black lives matter trans rights all those kind of things recently and the one that's coming to my head i think um twitter was full yesterday of Richard Maidley gave some advice in an agony column, um, which all the you know uh, domestic violence charities were like, that was so wrong. And so by the afternoon he'd posted, I got the tone totally wrong. Um, look out for Saturday's paper where I'm going to, you know, right. I mean, obviously online, you can change that online and do a an edit. We've changed this, but paper, you know. Yeah, it's there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and people will go back and say, oh, you know, there's a previous version of this website that didn't say that. Yeah. So, you know, the Dominic Cummings famously um, yes. caught up with that, you know, I said this. No, you didn't, you edited the website to say that long time after you said you said it.
1: And it's trying to, part of it's trying to be transparent, I think, about yeah. those edits. So I posted something the other week about, oh, this is what my life's probably gonna live for the next four or five years, ha, ha, ha. Um, and then I remember something else the next day, and I just added, yeah. the next day and then wrote the extra bit um so yeah I'm, I'm not too worried about typos i'll go back and change those but if i'm adding a whole new sentence or something i'm like yeah, yeah. um yeah so it's yeah it's a, it's about trying to take your christian values into whatever space you're in whether that's kind of offline online and seeing the online as not this weird space out there it's clearly impacting what happens elsewhere too. Um, Yeah, it's kind of powerful in its own way.
0: (laughs) That feels like a really good place to finish, Bex. I'm so glad that you were able to give us the time. I know that it's a a difficult thing to do just to sit and chat for an hour. Um, So I'm I'm delighted that you were able to do it and thanks for sharing um, so much with us today.
1: Thank you.